0: The Team Never
1: Quit Podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal Credit Union, they believe every day is Veterans Day. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Team Never Quit
2: Team
0: Team Radio.
3: All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell.
1: What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, watching, and subscribing. We love doing this every single week. We've got to kick this thing off with a Patreon question of the day. It's kind of going to be, uh, I think, a short one, but I'm going to ask anyways, would you rather defend yourself with a hockey stick or a baseball bat?
3: Baseball bat. That depends if you're from the north or from the south, man. Like I, we don't have hockey sticks down <laughs> here. Right? I don't know yeah, what the hell true. to do with that thing. That's why I said baseball bat. Baseball bat be down here, right? But you
1: got to be pretty close. It, you know, proximity-wise to the person with a baseball bat versus a hockey stick. you got the length. So are there pros and cons well, to each one? Well, I mean, the longer one? it
3: is, the longer it takes to come around. True that. Probably be like the difference between fighting with a bo staff and some nunchucks.
1: Yes. What do you think, Brian? Brian?
3: Okay, a couple of
2: things. I would have to say that of all the questions I prepared for, that was one did not make the list. (laughs) Uh, Number two is I'm thinking hockey stick. And here's why, Uh, because it's easy to move. You can get a lot of blows in. And if it does get ripped out of your hands by maybe somebody, uh, Morgan or Marcus's size, uh, it's easy. I'm much more confident I could fend off a hockey stick should it be turned on me than a baseball bat.
3: Oh, see, I never look like somebody's going to take something from me. (laughs) because <laughs> it takes longer to wheel it around. Yeah, I, I don't think about it Understood. like that. But I understand. We all have different approaches. Yeah, that's good perspective. We're going to write all that right. one down. I guess, yeah, it's all, it all depends on how, how it's coming at you and you're coming at it, I guess.
1: There. Ah. Well, great question. If you want to ask your questions to the guests, to the host, make sure you join us, patreon.com teamneverquit. We've got some great community stuff in the works. We've got some cool stuff we're about to do for you guys. You're not going to want to miss that. We've got a great guest in store. Brian Kilmeade is a television and radio presenter and political commentator for Fox News. You guys probably know him best as a co-host for Fox and Friends. Brian is a father of three, New York Times best-selling author. Brian, welcome to the show, and just one hell of a model American.
2: Oh, thanks, man. From, one here, hell from, of from, a from model you, model American. You
3: that's right. You are, man. Not, a, not in your class. We right always, now, you guys did. actually
2: fight. You know, you fought for the country. I feel terrible Mommy, that.
3: Hey, is. you. And there, there's not too many folks like you that stand up for what we believe in and go fist to cuff with everybody every single day. And you're inside the borders. You know, we had to go somewhere else to kick butt. You do it here. Hey, God yeah. bless you, buddy, yeah, we'll take it you. up.
2: I appreciate it.
3: Best way someone heard of was like, man, I wake up every morning in my bedroom, and you're the only dude I let in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. You know, about, like, I hear you like, get your pants, and then Deuce is doing his thing, and, and we can get into that in a minute. But that's, that's, it's a real thing. Like, y'all's voice and that tone that, that comes out, it's a... It wakes us up now because we've been doing it so long, it's become a pattern. It's like we watch it now just to see y'all.
2: Well, thanks. I do say, uh, Morgan, in case you did not get up early, Marcus does text us a lot to let us know he's ready to go. Oh, well, you're like, I you always had your number. Get I always say, because <laughs> I know when people get up in the morning, if they're getting up around six or seven, so they're going to do this, probably the time at which time, what's the first thing you do? You got to get dressed. So they're thinking about staying in bed. But no, I'm going to tell them, come on, guys, get dressed. Let's get going. We're ready to start. It's like a live motivational alarm clock. That, that's my image.
3: Yeah, I get up at four o'clock. So I'm up before Marcus is. Like I said, wow. I just don't have your number. I, Otherwise, I'd be blowing it up. Back it up. <laughs> i have always wanted to ask you this is if we had time to sit down and talk. How you how you got to the I heard Hexis say this the other day. He was sitting on in your spot. He's like, man, this is the is it the kill meat corner or the kill meat curve? On the it's curvy the, couch? Curve. Curve, right. they, the curve, right? Right. Yeah. I didn't want to mess that up. And I I I started thinking, I was like, man, that that's something. Like when when the yeah, the lights come on and we see who's on stage for us, everything in the morning, man. I always wondered, like, how how did you wind up getting there? Because that's the top. You guys have been number one forever, for as long as since we were kids. Seems like right. Well, a couple of
2: things. Number one, um, so I was doing mostly sports coming out of college. It's exactly what I wanted to do is talk sports and news. But I thought sports was my quickest way through. I had really pretty good knowledge. I played soccer, but I didn't really follow pro soccer. I, that's why I played through college. Just OK. Wanted to be great, and I wasn't. And that was hard to get my head around. When you practice and you train, you're supposedly doing everything. And have that not pay off in the end, kind of, uh, well, it you know it broke my perfect game, so to speak. So I knew life wasn't going to be that smooth. Uh, I also knew uh, at a young age, life wasn't going to be that smooth. My dad got in an accident uh, when I was in ninth grade, died right there. We were pretty much living paycheck to paycheck growing up. And we actually knew because my dad was just in the process of buying a business. And he he was just about three weeks away from taking over the bar restaurant when he gets in this accident at six in the morning. And after that, everything just seemed like a blur. You know, he was also my coach. So I wanted to play through high school. I was on a great team, uh, an average Division II team. um, And I just wanted to be great. And I wasn't. I also was so tense. Well, when you guys know what it's like to perform under pressure and how much training that takes, I also knew that I was not – I wanted to do so good, so well all the time. I played so tense. I was always angry. So by the time I was ready to start at 22 to do broadcasting, I wasn't going to have to worry about a coach. I wasn't going to have to worry about someone benching me. If you fire me or you don't hire me, that's your choice. But I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going through, keep going through, blow through, the, go through the, um, blow through the rejection letters, do the things I had to need. I had to get a lot better. And I always say it took me 12 years to get this job. When I got a job at Fox News, nobody knew what it was. It was 97. I would go to Manhattan. It wasn't seen in New York or any major market. CNN was locking up the game to make sure we didn't get coverage and clearance. But I didn't care. We had this great team, unbelievable vision. And we had smaller staff, got paid less, and tried harder. And next thing you know, I watched this. The New York Yankees start from day one of the Dallas Cowboys. And you just watched this team being put together. And the next thing you know, you win in title after title. But I was there when they were just picking out
3: uniforms. (laughs) So going from sports into broadcasting, and and when your dad died, I man, I couldn't at that age, right? Yeah. When you're when you're sitting there in that chaos, like what was the driving force behind that? That's what. I, I'm curious in that because, I, you know, you see the motivation of where it got you now that, that fuel had to be there. Is it a shift in the motivation from making it go anger to angry to push it into something better? I mean, what drove that? Yeah, I,
2: I mean, I, I, like, I always think it's our job just to reach our potential, whatever it is, uh, physical, mental, whatever it is, just reach your potential. And if the things don't work out, you can't blame people. So I always thought it was my responsibility to make something of my life early. So even if it didn't amount to it, I could always say hustle matters. And if you put everything into it, it doesn't break your way. you got to understand you're not in control of all these circumstances. We're seeing that now in Afghanistan, the way you guys fought, the, the battlefields you win. Some media takes over the country and ruins your, uh, ruins your record. And you say, well, what could I do? Nothing. You're not the president. You're not the secretary of state. But it doesn't take away from anything that you guys did in battle and the objectives you had and the goals you reached. If someone's going to screw up the game at the end, it's not your responsibility. The way I thought about it is that I'm not going to stop. We're going to keep going through. And if that's a local news anchor or a assignment reporter, I'd be very disappointed. But I'd be waiting on the side to make more money to invest to free me up financially. But when it took me 12 years to even make my age, so by the time I was 33. The most I'd ever made was maybe $28,000. And as I get this job filling in one or two days a week and then getting the job full time, you never met somebody more appreciative. And that's what came out. But if I didn't have those 12 years and those four years of struggle in sports and the four years at high school, I don't think I would have appreciated this success so much. I don't take any day for granted.
3: Yeah. Nobody gave it because they didn't even give it to you. You had to earn it. Yeah. That's how you know you're in the right spot, too, because it didn't matter what they pay or what you were doing. You just wanted to be around it and it kind of perpetuate you know, perpetuates out, that whole totally. that whole feeling. It's like growing in, in in rank. When you go into the martial arts, you, you everyone wants to be a black belt. But if you just walk in there and put it on, it doesn't it kind of the same thing when I guys strap it. the trident on. It's like, man, you you know, it's like one thing or the other, but it doesn't it doesn't carry the weight inside or out when people find out that you didn't earn it, yeah, right? The emotional weight, too. Yeah. So starting at the bottom it, it all it teaches you why you love it because that feeling that drives you towards it, man. And uh, it, the the cool part is, is you. It won't, there's some things it won't apply to. Like you try to get interested in some things, man, it just won't take. But if you find out what you're really driving for, man, it will. Man, it'll, it it'll shows you. every day that you're on TV. It shows how emotional and and passionate you are about your job. If that was just like a favor to bring me in there and do that, I'd screw it screwed all up. It, it yeah, wouldn't look. It wouldn't but, look sincere or genuine. But, That's but, one thing that th- when what you guys are on that every morning, we're watching. It looks. It looks sincere and it looks genuine. I'm turning over some knowledge, man. And there are times they need to be like a like a kill me second, where something I've, I've seen you get so mad sometimes. You know your facial expressions, the way you contain that. So uh, I, I'm it's impressive. I mean be the because I know we know you want to drop the f bomb. are you, yeah, you throw, throw something at the screen, man. I, I get it because you know we are on the other side of camera. Right? We're like, man, dude, say it, say it. No, you won't. You know we're thinking mm. it, right? I, right. I, that um on the way up here i was thinking um Talladega Nights. i was watching like when ricky bow Bu- was like man i don't know what to do with my hands so the training they go just i'm just curious man because before i got stuck in, out in the open like when i got sent to you I, I i had formal training like they sat me down there like this is what you need to do you got to sit with here you got to talk like this i haven't had that yet and came. it was it was it was, mono- <laughs> was monotone it was like you could tell it was like somebody trying to ask you questions and then there's it's like a teacher student you answer the questions and then there's people that flow. I mean, you, you said that y'all have, it's Fox and Friends, y'all have a team. And that's like, man, we would see y'all hanging out if y'all weren't on TV. It's that kind of flow. Right. that that, that, yeah, that I thing. Mean,
2: the, the reason why, uh, I and you know, just to more, you as you were saying that, one thing that Roger Ailes did and everyone else continues is when they hire you, they hire you. They don't hire the broadcaster, they hire you. And that's why you see Johnny, Joey, uh, Joey Jones, and you see Pete Hegseth, you know, they're contributors. Next thing you know, they're themselves. And they get such dipped in, in issues. They go, hey, you know what? You could probably host. And they're like, yeah, well, just be yourself. So you flow. You have respect to the camera. You know there's people on the other side of the camera. But for the most part, they hired you, not the broadcaster. That's why I don't think, like, when I see people, I'm going to start a book tour now. My pre, my book comes out. Um, the special is on the seventh. The book comes out in the second. I don't know when people are going to be watching this. But we'll I push all out for you. Say, oh. say that again?
3: We'll push it all out for you.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. But when I go to meet the people, people say, oh, you're going to go on tour. You're going to have big lines. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Because I like meeting these people, and they feel like they know you. Yeah. So they're like, hey, I remember I know what your dogs look like. I know your kids are playing soccer together. I remember when you started in 97. I remember when you screwed this up. I remember when you had that interview. I remember <laughs> when you filled it right? night. Hey, you remember this, way, We're kind of going through life together rather than that broadcaster telling you the seven big stories you need to know i feel like i'm in conversation with with people and we all are telling stories that maybe i know a little bit more for now i'm moving the story forward because of the contacts we have and the resources we get sure man so yeah, it's like the okay, smart okay, kids in the class nobody They're...
3: ever said that to me before because i've been you know i'm new to this um you're just having a conversation with the camera yep i consider that another person okay that's good. That's all I need somebody to tell me. Yeah, like a robot or like it was AI or something. You just kind of, yeah, that, that's perfect advice. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's
2: weird. What it's else the, you got? Our, our show is more <laughs> like a slice of life. Like Peter Jennings and uh, Dan Rather, you know, those those anchors, they come on and there's drums, kettle drums. And look out, there's the broadcast. He's going to tell you in 26 minutes the biggest stories in the country. When you go to 24-hour news with the way we wanted to do it, not the way CNN was doing it. You go, hi, guys, here's what's going on. This is the context. This is where reporters are telling us on the field. This is all the resources. Now we have world resources. Now we're using the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post. We've got a weather channel, a business channel. I don't have to leave the building to get the best information. And they're giving it to me constantly on the phone. They're always going, okay, this just happened. Uh, Joe Manchin just came up. And this was the question he just got in the hall. Bum, bum, bum. Got it. Understood. So by the time I hop on your show, or go to do the seven o'clock show or they ask me to fill in for Tucker. I the story has moved ahead because it's a nonstop dialogue on the phone and the iPad.
3: I was watching the other day and Joey Jones was on there and someone was asking him because he, he was all man, man you look good, you look like you've been working out. I was like man I don't have to do legs, I don't have leg day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Did he out. say that on camera? Yeah, he said it on camera. He was, in, he was Y'all had him somewhere, man, and I think it was Pete was talking to him. It was one of the funniest things. I laughed so I had to leave the room, man. So let's walk it back. We're, tell us about tell us about your childhood, where you grew up. We can we hear it in your voice, but.
2: Right. I would say I grew up on Long Island, very different from New York City and upstate New York. When you think about New York, if you haven't haven't been there, think about Iowa. Upstate New York, it doesn't have a lot of money. So it's a depressed Iowa because they don't frack, even though there's fracking in the ground. It's criminal. With Pennsylvania and Ohio revitalized their economy. New York was about to do it, but Governor Cuomo was Governor Cuomo and decided not to. So the whole place is depressed except for certain pockets where there's racetracks and the Buffalo Bills but the Long Island is suburban America. You got Queens, Nassau, Suffolk. Then you got the East End, which is as beautiful as it gets. On the North Fork, you got uh, farms and wineries. On the South Fork, you got all the Hamptons and Montauk. So it, if you ever been out there, it's I kind of you could kind of go on vacation without going on vacation. So I live in the Nassau Suffolk border. I went to Massapequa High School. I'm calling you from Massapequa now. So uh, my friends from high school, I'm still in touch with about. 10-15 on a regular basis and my my wife i met in high school and uh we graduated the same year have a lot of the same friends it's a lack of personal growth is what i'm trying to explain to you that's how we the same thing. absolutely
3: same same one <laughs>
2: out, out in la for four years but besides that i've uh, been living here uh since
3: uh, back here since 95 oh we were in that castle the other day i didn't even know that was up there that's the second, second largest house in the country, isn't it? Yeah, I appreciate the invitation, fellas. <clears throat> we, we, didn't invite, we didn't send you one. Dude, you, <laughs> that thing was awesome. Just the grounds themselves and, and uh, that whole, the Mike Murphy Museum, everything up there, man, that, that, was, uh, that was an awesome night. Marcus, That's, did you
2: have a chance to go see the museum? Or not? not yet.
3: No I, won't. no, I didn't go in there. I wait until the grand opening.
2: Yeah, the Ojico Castle is where you were. I've only been there a few times. That's only 20 miles from my house. But it's one of the most beautiful places around. But uh, Morgan, Mar- uh, Marcus was invited to stay in the night. I was not.
3: Well, I didn't even get the invitation to show up. Hell, I parked okay. cars with the best of All right, and then so the New York, blood in the blood. We got it. I tell you what. So I, I, to this day, and I'm not embarrassed to say this. Like, we were up at uh, it was two years after nine eleven. And we were there for the memorial, me and me and a bunch of my teammates were walking around the city on 9-11 in uniform. And let me tell you something. Uh, pa- you want to talk about patriotic? I never felt more blessed to be an American than when I was walking around in New York oh, City. Oh, yeah. I'd have never taken my uniform off. I'd have moved up there and just walked around, and it was great. <laughs> yeah. That was something.
2: I know. I mean, uh, it is. I always felt it was patriotic. I think it really started dividing um, – let me see. I think the, uh, the Iraq war, you know, I really felt like the division. sometimes like you would talk to someone for an hour. I don't know if they're a Democrat or Republican. Now we probably all know within five minutes, maybe within three minutes. Sure. So this liberal city, like the people I'm around lean right, but they weren't all right. My dad my dad was a Democrat, He was Kennedy and Hubert Humphrey. Uh, love those guys, FDR. But I mean, it was kind of blended. Now it's like really divided. But I, one thing I think is pretty clear. you, you would know better. But I don't know anybody that talks down the military. I just don't. I don't, I haven't seen it. Um, you know, I, I see it whether it's in airports, on planes, working the streets. I think that's the one force still where people support. It has a lot to do with people understand that you chose, you weren't drafted. Mm, right. And they also see that you guys are the best of a generation. I mean, you're but you, this generation of war fighters is as good. They'll go down in history as one of the best. The way you guys adapted mid-war to every type of fighting i mean it's unbelievable what you did they said forget urban fighting you guys end up mastering it oh well we don't have the humvees aren't armed up well i got you to meet the mrap you know (laughs) oh well these drones why don't we put missiles on them boom middle of a war i mean what you guys did in the middle of a war from the most sophisticated technology to the way you fight is unbelievable and i think that's what people recognize
3: well i didn't prove it that way we're different man we're the x-men a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. Vietnam messed our country up the way they treated the guys when they came back. Oh yeah, because you had the World War II guys, and that's our grandparents, and you're usually raised by them. So the baby boomers are in charge right now. They're Vietnam like you. You can see the patriots and the hippies and that whole the left right. They hate each other. They always have the the, the Vietnam just kind of messed them up, and they're, well, Afghanistan kind of ended the same way Vietnam did. And with us, yeah. we didn't have tech growing up that came online right when we were coming into the military so we're a little bit of the old school a little bit of the new we're hybrids and we had to adapt and overcome And we had to fight an enemy for 20 years with no face so the generation the baby boomers that hated war so much they put their kids in a 20 year war with an enemy with no face
2: it's a great point i never thought about that and
3: if you look at uh, okay, if you look at the uh, what the Liberals and and or the Democrats Republicans, I always look at it like a family. So in the White House is mom and dad, Congress and aunts, aunts, aunts and uncles, and we're the family out in the middle. One side, it's like a divorced family right now because if you upset the kids, what do they do? They throw a bunch of money at it so you'll shut up, right? And then the other ones want to tell you to enforce the rules. When the Republicans ran, it was great because the, the the Democrats would complain so much that the Republicans would get stuff done, right? They just wouldn't, and because would. of they because of that, man. Twenty years of war. We've grown up. Not only that, we we're back now, and not only are we back, we have our own money. So when you throw our own money back at us, it doesn't mean anything. We're just kind of like watching this go down. It's it's a transition of power. My brother's stepping into it right now. That's the way. It's, that's, I know. I, I just
2: think it's so great that the military men and women are getting into the you know, getting into lawmaking and going in there and seeing a greater purpose. That's why, uh, Morgan, I'm so glad you I'm so glad you're stepping in and doing this. I mean, who did you appear with? You, you guys made your own group now, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, i to uh, Zinky? Yeah, unbeknownst to us. Yeah, so it's Derek, Eli, Brady, and Zinky and myself. And we, had, we did not coordinate this effort. Uh, I had no idea until Fox reached out to us and said, hey, there's five of you. And then it, it, has, it has come together. There's 60 veterans total across the country running for a congressional seat. That you know, that we know. Wow. Of? that Then we know of. Yeah. That we I know there's more than that. When, Which... I, when we get out, we separate. You know, I, 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 we go back to our cities and our towns and everything like that. And then guys just kind of getting their getting out. tough. And they're getting. We got our foothold and coming back in. You see them now. They're they're. I don't take anything away from anybody that would run for public office, knowing what I know now. And I'm sh- I'm short in my campaign process. It's very brutal. It's very. It's it's politics. You know, I was in D.C. with Secretary Perry and President Trump, so I saw politics firsthand. But. I was shielded by the, the cabinet member that I that I was advising for, so the darts never landed on the, the dartboard. You know me, but now they do, and uh, like it, like my other veterans, brothers and sisters that are running. You know, we got we were always told early on is like, hey, look, you can either sit on the sideline and bitch and complain about it, or you can really be somebody and step up and do it. And so that's why we're coming out of the shadows, more or less. You've heard me say that before. But seventy was seventy percent of the house were veterans after World War II. It was seventy, wasn't it? You know that stat off the top of your head.
2: Yeah, they sat high. I think I, I remember seeing it on the card, and only seventeen percent now. Seventeen
3: percent yeah, now. Yeah, I, I I hope that we do get a, a larger percentage. It's perspective. It's hum- It's humility. It's respect for the those. It's respect for Americans, but it's also respect for country. And you know we have we have that. Well, it gives a grander appreciation of of what America is because if you haven't yeah. had time to fight for it, and then you're you're in. Imp- office and somebody complains to you or admits to you about something man you just instead yeah. of understanding where, kind of where they come from you don't understand you take you take it away from them well, you said You're it gonna, you your, your that you have right now you fought your ass off to get to get there how much do you respect being there you know how much do you care for that position
2: I mean, it's unbelievable. That's why when I almost think it's funny when people come up to me and go, "You just on Tucker Show. You just did the seven o'clock. John Roberts asked you to fill in. You did the morning show. You did the radio show. Go, yeah. Uh, why would I say no? <laughs> I have this is the job I worked hard to get. What am I in a big rush to go? I gave up the hobbies or other stuff. Kids are old enough where I'm not missing soccer or back to school night. So I'm going to go. It's like a big gym. Okay, one minute you're playing lacrosse, the next minute you're playing dodgeball, the next minute you're playing soccer or baseball. I'll stay here as long as Jim's in session. So that's why I appreciate like being a chance to do it. There's so many people on the outside that don't. Um, But, you know, it's uh, it's good. Also, the one thing about uh, Fox, it's so influential. You actually feel like you sometimes can get things done. If you highlight a story and next thing you know, they're talking about it on the on the House or Senate floor. You know, like if you do that story, and the next show does this story, all of a sudden the dialogue in the country can change. So that's yes. what, that's another good news. You thing guys about can being move the
3: needle. Yeah. So how do y'all you police? Can, do y'all police yourselves? Uh, I mean, how do y'all control in in the media world? I mean, there's got to be a hierarchy. It's got to be age and rank and time on air, right? So your air time is your rank time. How do y'all? Because well, it moves so it. fast. I don't pick it,
2: Marcus. It's, it's 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 very much like the military in that. You got uh, you got the second floor makes the decisions, great, big decisions. Let's the smaller decisions, they're on my floor, like the 21st floor. And they'll meet and they'll say, Brian, we need, if you're available Christmas week for to fill in for Tucker. See, I, I know I'm doing Fox and Friends. I know I'm doing the radio show. And then after that, the seven o'clock now hour rotation. They'll ask me what weeks I want to do. And they'll ask me, do I still want to do the morning show? And then Tucker will go on vacation. And I'm probably the first or second on the depth chart there. And I'll fill in for Laura, too. Uh, and on the weekends I'll do Jesse and Dan, uh, I've only filled in for Jesse right now on the weekend. Have I filled in for somebody else? I think that's it. So like, it's up to them to call me up and they'll just, they'll just text me. Are you available these days? God. So you don't really pitch it. You don't, you don't say, I'd like to fill in that. That's like a meeting with somebody else to see if they want to open you. Like they have their own vision that they want to do. It's kind of like going up to the coach in the middle of the game. And say, put me in, they know where you are and they decided not to, <laughs> yeah. don't bother me. And other times they put you in, you don't say, why am I going in?
3: I tell you what, man, don't, and I, I know you know this better than anybody, but <clears throat> you obviously are, love what you're doing more than anything. Otherwise I was going to ask you, man, when do you, when are you going to take a break? When are you going to go on vacation?
2: <laughs> nah, uh, yeah, I'll go on vacation the weekend before Christmas and uh, New Year's. But right now it's the busiest time. I haven't done this in two years. So I got the president and the Freedom Fighter out. So uh, it's so hard to be able to do speaking engagements. You guys can go do it. If Bank of America calls you up and says, I need a keynote speaker, Mm -hmm. nothing can stop Morgan or Marcus or both of you to go do that gig. For me, if I go to do that, they ask me to go do it. And then Bank of America is involved in a scandal or or is involved in a hedge fund in China. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. who's their keynote speaker? Then it's a problem. So I keep getting rejected. So I form my own uh, stage shows where I'm able to go over And I call it like, it's called uh, America Great from the Start. And I just talk about what George Washington did with his spyry, what Thomas Jefferson took on Islamic extremism, what uh, Andrew Jackson fights off the British, um, fights off the British and Wellington's troops that just defeated Napoleon in the Battle of New Orleans. Sam Houston, how he wins not only the Alamo, but goes and finishes him off, loses in the Alamo, but finishes him off at San Jacinto. And now this one is the president and Freedom Fighter. So what I'm doing now is putting them all together on stage. So I have little interstitials where you see the video with the books about a minute 10, and then I'll expand on it, throw some quotes up. And my hope is that people will realize what a great country we have, uh, even though we're not perfect. I think what makes this great is that we try to be, And so I'm able to put that on stage. So I'm getting ready to do that in West Virginia, Orlando, Ponte Vedra, and Clearwater, and do some appearances in Staten Island, Long Island, uh, in uh, Atlanta, um, in Chicago, Indiana, Kentucky. So I'm going to start like a mini tour in the next week, and then I'll take a break.
3: Man, perfection. Good for you. That is, yeah, <laughs> talk about what is perfection? You can work your butt. I mean, one thing that's perfect to somebody else isn't perfect to a lot of people. It's like that imperfection is what what drives it. It's always I trying I hope to you never get to going, perfection because you're going to stop working. You're uh, going to stop working.
2: But I mean, that's what I look at. For example. I didn't want to really jump into racial issues There's really very little upside. There's always something you could say that's racially insensitive. So when I looked at Fred, I said, what's going to be my next book? So was, here. We come up on the civil war. I got a question about that? that. So
3: when, when you put sensitivity into the news, like when, when y'all, and does that come from, I mean, that happens just by us watching you all the time, like because there's a difference between fact and truth. People who grow up in different neighborhoods or different parts of the country, man, what you can say to them that, that, that's true in that area that wouldn't be true is somewhere else. And that's by laws or just the way people grow up. And then there's the fact. And then when y'all get out and you tell us the facts, and then when you put emotion into it, that kind of drives that, – that, that steers it right. absolutely. I mean, it, it, I guess it would be almost impossible to be a journalist because you'd have – Back in the day when they were so dull, you say they were dull, they had to be. They had to be the, you know, this is the, the facts, this is what we got. Because if you inflect in any way on any word, it changes the entire conversation, 100%. I mean, there's times when I can't even imagine how many times it's probably happened to you, or if it has that, that you had to put a story out when it came out later or it changed so fast by the time the, the, it got to you, it wasn't well, yeah. even what happened. Well, y'all are the face that put that out there. It's like the kid in the school that's talking smack. They don't know anybody under you feeding you that stuff. So I would imagine who, whoever works underneath y'all to get y'all that intel, those guys are critical. Yep. The intel officers oh, like, yeah. in our community, man, because we get killed. And so do y'all. Uh, you know, Hypothetically, man, if y'all get bad gouged and put it out, that's, that's a career ender. The hardest job in the damn media should be the, them dudes. <laughs>
2: right. I mean, we've got two things. You tell the story, and then you can comment. So the first thing, uh, for example, I'm trying to think today. For example, uh, it comes out that New York has gotten something like 6,000 unaccompanied minors, teenagers dumped into their school system at the cost of 24000 per kid without even checking with the superintendent and principal. All right? That's outrageous. And know where they put them? Not in the rich areas, in the working class areas. They can least afford it where they're paying the teachers the least. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is the story. I'm going to hit you with the numbers. I'm going to work it through. So if I'm by myself, I'm with Angelie and Steve, let them add their element to the story. Then I'm hitting you with opinion. But I'm not going to start off and I'm not going to say, I'm about to tell you the most outrageous story you'll hear all day, because I don't want to. I don't want to uh, put my hand on the scale. I'm going to tell you what's going on, and then I'm going to. And then I'm going to tell you my perspective. That's what the show allows me to do. But Peter Jennings and and those guys, Walter Cronkites of the world, you'd be surprised. They would put their hand on the scale with looks and tone.
3: And yeah, you absolutely. would later
2: find out. The Vietnam era says a Walter Cronkite tanked that one tank on
3: that, that one. Yeah, I heard
2: about it. I saw that. So so they're telling it, but they're pretending to be equal. They're pretending they did not take putting a, a like a oar in the water and telling you who to vote for by a look, by by the way they give one side more power than the other side. They are they and they pretend as if they're giving you both sides. So I just heard a straight newscast. No, you didn't. And, you know, later I'm reading Tom Brokaw's book. It take, I'm in a page like 50. He basically tells me he's a Democrat. His whole life he's been a Democrat. I'm like, OK, I don't know. Maybe is that the reason why you seem to be giving Bush a hard time for all these years? Not that you up. Is that why when I see you watch, you know, when I see you commenting on Meet the Press, it always tends to be the Republican ends up being the moron. Yet you told us you're a straight news guy. So I feel good that I'm allowed to be myself.
3: So does that even, it doesn't even exist, right? Straight news. It's like, I I guess that's why there's so many different outlets. And that's a problem when you're living out here. It's like when you turn it on, everyone has a different opinion and uh, opinions are great. Everyone's got one, right? From 40 to 60 or from zero to 40, you have an opinion. Then your perspective from 40 to 60 wisdom drops in after that. So, I mean, you get to the point now where we've been around enough to you look who's talking to you. And then and then you listen because you can understand a point of view from a teenager to a twenty year old. Like all them kids that are tearing up the cities uh, up in Seattle. If you ever watch them, have you ever actually watch how they move because there's a difference between looking at something, seeing something, and watching it. But if you watch them when they go to swing baseball bats or they throw, they don't they don't look right. They don't, uh, they're, they're not supposed to be doing that. They didn't practice that. It looks awkward, right? It look so, like athletes right, they're, or they're, which means they're not supposed to be. They're not good at what they're doing they're just out there causing mischief all right oh uh, does that make sense absolutely i mean i mean when it gets to that point with the riots
2: I, I don't think you have to pretend as if i mean we have this stuff in msnbc them saying this scenes a mostly peaceful riot and these buildings are raging on fire behind that's, that's my them. point man i was like what, what how did that... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just that, says why does why Fox what? give an opinion? Dr. Fauci's on there saying, I'm sure the coronavirus does not spread in the with in the riots in the street, but he's sure they spread at football games. Yeah. I mean, the minute you see doctors all giving right. up their their all their credibility because they have a point of view, don't get on me.
3: So how, how do we. Well, well, we get that. How do we get that back one day at a time? Right. That's how we get it back. I mean, once the, no, if I, the I, FBI and more, the CDC and this and, for and, you
2: as a politician. I just watched Joe Manchin. Uh, I don't know when people are seeing this, but I watched him on Monday. He's a Democrat. And he got up there and he said, Inflation is too high. We have a bipartisan bill. I compromised on it. You wouldn't even vote on it. I am tired of dealing with my own party who is putting hidden time bombs in this reconciliation bill, who doesn't want to score it to see if it's going to add to the inflation and the debt. I am not voting for it. And the other time he walked up and he took on the cameras and he said, um, I'm not a liberal. I'm a moderate. You guys know me. Why do you think I'll sign off on the social safety net? I'm a free enterprise guy. I'm from an energy state. Why do you think I would try to destroy energy in my own state? I watch Henry Cuellar, a Democratic congressman at the border, say this administration has fallen prey to their left. They're not paying attention to people like me who know in Texas what it takes to seal the border. They think they're helping their Hispanic vote. Their Hispanic constituents is turning on them. So this is Morgan, and uh, uh, Morgan especially, but Marcus, in answer to your question, that's how to be an effective politician. Worry about your country first, your party second. That's the clue. If you, He doesn't understand. What people don't understand is Fox doesn't vote for Republicans. I think I can't even tell you what Carly Shimkus or Neil Cabuto or Tucker is going to vote for. We don't have any idea. We don't sync it up. But we care that people that care about the country. If you are for an open border, you don't care about the country. If you are to destroy the oil and gas business, you try. You don't care what's best interest of the country. If you're going to stand down the army to talk about white supremacy, you don't care about the country because, because they're not doing what's best interest. And when we take them on, we're not going to bat for Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with it. There's no. It's not even subtle. It's a wrong and right.
3: You know, I was, we were talking about this earlier, man. We, we cr- kind of create our own problems inside our, our community because so, one side's not getting along with the other one. And uh, somebody told me this the other day. You know what the average age is that, of the people on, the, on an aircraft carrier that run it? 19. How, about how old? 19. 19 years old. Get out. 19 years old. That's a city. That's aircraft a floating city. A city. They run that. 19-year-old. Right? During these wars that we had to fight, there's two of them, man. They'd send a handful of us over to take governments down and set stuff back up with people that didn't want to have to do it. And we maintained it till y'all pulled us out. So anything that we want to get done could get done easily. As long as you didn't argue about it. Yeah. Every time it used to be politics, man, there was a neutral zone. Like at the table, it's kind of like talking about sex, right? You just got to, you know, some things you, you, you know, that some people disagree with, but there is an equal boundary, that gray area that neutral zone, where it's just like, hey, man, that, yeah. is, that is what it is. And that's why you boil it down to the states, 50 different states, 50 different states of people, and then inside the town. Like some crazy percentage of over 50% of all people don't even leave the town they grew up in. And I might be lowballing yeah. that number. Can you imagine It used that? to be
2: 70 and 80%. Man, because the
3: further you travel, the more you learn. You see why people kind of see things the way they do. And then age comes into that and, and, and seals it home. But one thing we know for sure. It was like, if you got, if nothing's getting done and everything's stalling, everyone's arguing and complaining, if they're coming outside of those doors to bitch to us, I mean, think about that. We're the, they're the ones that are supposed to be going there and fixing it, and they're coming out complaining back to us. So that, that ought to tell you they're in the wrong spot. You know I what showed. I mean? Because the one thing our, our our leadership never did was they never argued in front of us. They just heard us complain, and they went in there and fixed it. And, and there needs God, to be a difference Yeah, we always talk about how 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 undivisive we would be, I don't know if I said that right, but if our leadership, our elected leadership came out as a united front with humility instead of blasting it out. Call them names. I mean, it's the whole, just to get you on TV. And some of the journalists, you know, they implement it, and they call them names over and over again, and it just gets so to where people just don't like hearing that. My mother calls it being ugly. It's like you right. guys are so pretty on TV, man. If you keep talking all that smack, you will eventually look ugly in some people's eyes. And and once you get into that realm, man, it can't go away because then they think you're hateful.
2: Yeah, I no, know. I no. Know. Listen, uh, I hear you. It shouldn't be personal. You should not be talking about how tall somebody is, how fat they are, how thin they are. How, I mean, just keep by, you know, keep that stuff out of it. It cheapens your argument. <laughs> what
3: does it even have to do with anything? No, I know. Listen, I I hear you. I oh oh. I try and tell my brother this. All right. So when you're t- camera etiquette, when you're sitting there, and, and I, I just want to know this myself. It's like you the the camera is a person. You're talking to them, right? Yeah. You Ever had a hamstring flare-up or get? I mean, there's got to be. I, I need to. Ha- oh, yeah. no, tell me hey, those stories later. Tell, <laughs> I want to hear like well, some you know, that we but, don't know about, right? But I mean, how, the the practice is just like with anything else. It's just discipline, right? To sit there and and right. keep from hands, you know, from touching your freaking crank and all that, picking your nose. I'll...
2: yeah, I pretty much don't pick my nose. Do you I, know I, that for a much. fact? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever. How do you do that? How do you, how it do you like keep that. it from happening? All right. We have breaks. You now we go eight minutes at a time. Then we have a chance to touch ourselves. Uh and then, and then we go back to normal. Um, you know, it's pretty much uh, you know, sometimes because the couch is so casual. Um, you know, that sometimes you do uh maybe you know you turn too much or you leave your papers all over the place. You'll get sometimes they've talked to you in your ear a lot. It's really like hosting with somebody else because do you guys you guys have that when you do remote interviews, right? Yeah, no. So they're talking to us the whole time, they'll be saying to us, uh Brian, this got to be your last question, or uh, let's end with uh, let's end with something patriotic. You know they'll they'll be in back, or you just misspoke and said it was Rick Scott instead of Tim Scott. Fix it. So I actually feel like I'm hosting with also the whole control room. I like having that constantly in my ear. Sometimes you say something good or bad, and they'll also like comment on it. Like, oh, aren't you fired up today? So, so what's I a- always got somebody in my ear <laughs> <laughs> <your> <laughs> voice, Yeah, love love
3: friends, What a great voice to have in your head, reassuring you all the time. Like there's an actual voice right. in there. What what's one right. of the things it, that happens But that, I got a lot
2: of sarc- a lot of sarcastic too? It's the same thing. Has to, it's right? It's like you guys when you hang out. It's like, oh Brian, like did you even look in the mirror when you, before you picked up oh that suit? God. So
3: here All I right. am in so like I, the fourth minute <laughs> of the show. All right, so and they're they're I, like, everybody watches this know on the
0: show.
2: Tie tie?
3: Yeah, if anybody if this the they watch this on the show, Morgan and I are gonna sneak into the booth and please give us Brian's ear in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you without you that. knowing. I would have a blast with that. So what's so what's next, big man? And we know you're busy. So what well, you, you got now we got well, a book I coming mean, my, out. My next week, this, this project is the
2: President of Freedom Fighter. It's Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and that battle to save America's soul. And the backdrop is the Civil War. And the lead up is what was happening in our country at the time, in the South and the North, what led us to that moment. But I also tried to highlight, for some reason, America always gets the right person at the right time. And more than likely, it's the most unlikeliest person. Who would have picked a B actor like Ronald Reagan, who people who knew him uh, growing up never thought that he was going to lead us country to a difficult time? Who would have picked up Harry Truman, the guy barely ends meet? He spent most of his 30s feeling like a loser on his tractor in his house in Missouri. He ends up being one of our most important presidents, Ulysses S. Grant. I mean, this guy, as you guys know, he had an alcohol problem. He uh, got out of the military. He's a backup tanner to his younger brother. Wondering what's going to happen of him. The Civil War breaks up. He gets called as a captain. He's such a great war fighter. He rockets up. And then after Andrew Johnson comes in, in comes Grant to save the country twice. And that becomes clear. And then this uh, this Frederick Douglass, born a slave, never knew his family, was able to be sold two or three times, has such a thirst for learning, found a way to read and write, and found a way to get freedom after a second try. And within seven years of escaping, Becomes writes his own autobiography, becomes an international bestseller, an international lecturer and intellect, and helps lead the abolitionist movement to help America be a more perfect union, only teaming up with this Midwesterner born in poverty uh, to two illiterate parents who many people would always describe as odd-looking and gangly and uh, with chronic depression. These two people end up coming together at the exactly right time to bring America through our most difficult time. Mm-hmm. So I thought if I did that book to tell this story, honestly, about how bad it was in the South and in the North, where America was, and how we fought to make it better, I thought that the people that like the news, who uh, are pro-patriotic, would like that story. So that comes out tomorrow. So that's my big obsession. Man, oh. I,
3: I can't wait to read your biography. Like, when you sit down to write that all out, like what you, what you learned, because... Well, we were talking about this earlier with, with a guy and he was saying, you know, people, you see them on their Pelotons and they're working out and they're like, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, oh, I'm working out. We're like, yeah, I see that. But do you know what for? And, and we were talking about like the risk, the, the Apple watches, all the data. It's like, man, they collect all this data. And then people are like, man, we have all this data. We don't know what to do with it. And i was like, well, that means you need a different type of person to, to transfer that. What every one of those books that you wrote, the lessons learned out of that. Like what, what happened yeah. after that? Like the, all the people that you interviewed from us, I mean, every, think about that. All the people that came across your desk and where, the, what, where they were then, where they are now, and, and that lifestyle and what it taught you and what it, you know, it can teach other people. It's like a lessons learned book. Uh, well, I mean,
2: here's the most fundamental lesson is that no matter what circumstances you're in, you don't have to end up there. And nobody would have picked these two guys. Uh, to do anything significant in their lives, let alone be the one of the most significant to ever walk the earth. So don't tell me how bad your circumstances are. This guy was born a slave. It was a crime to teach uh, an African-American, a black man, to read or write. They had no rights in this country. They had to work just to get educated. And when they got educated, they just tried to help other people and make America live up to its Constitution and its Declaration of Independence. Instead of saying, screw this country, I'm out of here, I love this country, I'm going to make it better. And Lincoln, same thing, abusive dad, mom dies at nine, working 20 hours a day in the fields that he hates, finding a way to read and write and learn and become this intellect, while at the same time, a big physical guy, constantly wrestling, having challenges uh, to him, astounding people along the way. So I know a lot of people watching us right now and say, well, I don't have, I, I couldn't be a Navy SEAL like Marcus and Morgan. I could not uh, do every be a best-selling author. I could never run for office. I didn't have the intellect to do this. It's all it is is, if you need to know that there, there are, if you need to see an example of overcoming obstacles, pick up Andrew Jackson's book. Don't read mine if you don't want to, but you read this guy was orphaned, and he was raised by his town, his county, his country, and all he wanted to do was get back at the British. And give back to his country. I mean, this, there was no social safety net to help Andrew Jackson. There was no social security. He was finding a way. He could have should have been a guy should have been a rebel or she should have been a, a criminal. No. Instead, he became a self-taught lawyer and then a famous general and a two term president. That's the American dream. And I give you you can get examples if you search for them everywhere in history.
3: Mm-hmm. It's almost as if if, you, if you're looking at something and that phrase, I could never be able to do that runs through your eyes that's exactly what you'd be great at uh, it, it, yeah. i mean that that it's, whoever taught you the opposite way taught you wrong that's absolutely the trigger when you're sitting there staring at something or you're thinking about something like Oh, i can never get that done that's that's the way not only could you get it done you'd do great at it it's just each one of those blocking roadblocks everything that's designed to keep you to learn it just like i said piece by piece
2: no i i hear you um but I mean, but I I know for one thing I didn't I don't do not think I had the athletic ability to be special operator. i, I watched what you guys do. I've seen it. I've talked to all you guys. I don't think I I would would have that. But uh, I would love to have had that military background to have said I served. But when I was graduating, I think there was maybe three guys in my class that joined, and I was like, "Why you joining the Navy? Why?" Well, I don't know what I want to do. Okay. You know, I remember my cousin got in trouble. He's about 10 years older than me. And the, the judge said to him, you can either go to a juvenile center or you can go to the Marines. So he's like, I'll go to the Marines. So those were the, that was the attitude in the 70s and early 80s about the military. I think if I was coming up now, I think there would be something much more desirable. The packages are much better, too. But that is one big regret I have. But there's no I athletically, I don't think I could do what you guys do.
3: Maybe you'd be surprised. Take the name off of it and, and, and the, the, the military concept, right? They're like, hey, man, if you don't have anything to do and you want to go on adventures around the world, it's like, do you have a boat? Yeah, we got a lot of boats. We got planes. We got, I got buddies. that <laughs> got jets, guns, tanks. He and, me and this joker right here have been around the world more times than we count. I've been in helicopter crashes and gunfights and seen stuff that no one else has seen and all at just because we threw that uniform on because we didn't know what we wanted right. to do. Being in the military is a nuclear family. It's what America is actually all about. But you check in every morning to make sure you're not dead. And, you know, they, they feed you. And only, not only that, they make sure you have a, a skill set. And they take you everywhere. And yeah. I mean, the more you put in, the more you get out. It's just like with anything else in this country. And it was, it was yeah. man, we've had a blast. Had a blast with it. We always ask, hey, give us, give us your best never quit advice. Something you, you, something you, all, you carry with you.
2: I, I think number one. And this might be counterintuitive to you guys. Don't get caught up with results. If just if you give your all and it doesn't go your way, you did not fail. Your success is just delayed. It's not there yet. Something else is coming. The only time you fail is when you quit. So just keep at it. This person thinks you're terrible. This person's not going to hire you. Uh, this girl turned you down. This guy turned you down. The house didn't go through. Uh, the down payment didn't happen. Uh, My investor that I invested with uh, ended up being duplicitous and didn't put in the place he did. Keep going. You keep going. Keep through it. What is your goal? And you decide when it ends. I think you have a responsibility, no matter who you are, is to live up to your potential. Whatever that is, talk to people. Use them as resources. And I found through everything that uh, I may or may not have viewed as accomplished, the most rewarding thing to me is helping other people the most rewarding thing to me is helping other people college or help them pay something that to me feels better than any uh, getting on the bestseller list or finding out that, you know, um, that I got this show or I'm doing this special. There's one thing about helping other people that is a superpower. And that's why, uh, you know, Marcus, you show up at all your events and Morgan, you guys are constantly doing
3: stuff for other people. Oh, uh, I just a, find that, the that
2: that to me yeah. is the most uh, rewarding thing.
3: I, absolutely. Hands down. One hundred percent. The best I've ever felt now and in, in doing in the life that we've had is when he and I started like giving back that way. People say right. wearing the uniform is the same thing. I was like, no, no, no. I'm talking about like the everyday stuff you can do, like go out and help somebody just and it's the little things. It comes back on you. It, it does, man. It's All like right. the best currency there is. Imagine well, having. Guys, let me tell you. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had
2: a mom or dad call you up and say, "I'm having a problem. My eleventh grader, my ninth grader, and if you could show up, six foot five inch, uh, special operations guy, and who's uh, best selling author and decorated military, and talk to that kid, and you find out that you put that kid back on the straight and narrow, I would argue that that's almost as as good as getting pinned with a medal for you guys. Oh,
3: it's it's way better, better, way better, thousands
2: times better, thousands times better,
3: because oh, it's walking proof. Yeah. walking proof. You gotta be
2: able to inspire people and motivate people, give them goals.
3: Okay. Brian, hey, where where can uh, people follow you? Where can we get your book? Where can how wow. how do we help and support you on the tour and everything? Well, uh,
2: the president of Freedom Fighter, uh, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and the battle of save America's soul is out. If you just want to go to my website, you get it personalized, or you go anywhere, you get books, and I have this 36 stop. There's an excellent play chance that I might be in your town anyone uh, who's ever watching right now. So go to Brian Just click on book tour. And if you're there, just register because this COVID environment, they want to know who's coming. Uh, so, or how they plan. So if you just do that, I hope
3: to see everybody in person. Uh, we look forward to it. That's awesome. I, I thanks for doing this again, bro, man. I, I mean, really tell me, I, I enjoy it every time. Look, I've look, been looking we'll forward to, to this them. one, buddy.
2: And Marcus, I think you agree with me. One word for uh,
3: Morgan. When, that's right. I didn't get into lose, partner. All right, go do it. <laughs> hey, Bye, guys. One, one, one last question, go man. For, for, this is for me, man. I, I, after all these years, you've been doing this, and everything that comes through there. I mean, that you have to that information that you have to feed us, good, bad, and, diff, and different, man. There are days, even when you when in the morning, we're like, man, I don't want to get up. I don't want to get out of bed. Can somebody call? I would mean, call somebody else to come in and stuff like that. What just to push through that? But you do. All I want to know is you do have those, right?
2: Um, no, not, not that going to work. The only time is sometimes, um, I'm sometimes I'm dead tired, but that's I've I mean. never, I have not missed a day of work. Um, that's my for, point. It's, I, like, I, it's like, no, it's no matter what you kept getting up and going in. Year.
3: Yeah. No matter how tired time you are. T-
2: the only time is sometimes I like, and you guys could see it at home. I get text messages, man, you look tired today. Yeah, you're right. I am. But,
3: really
2: like I never not want to do the job. Sometimes I just hate getting up at two then, but once I get in the shower, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm watching, looking at the DVR from last night. I'm in the, they send a car in the morning and I'm studying and I never, once I'm in that car ready to go and I, I take the train on the way home, but I need to study for those two hours, three hours. So I have a car in the morning I'm studying. I never don't want to do it. The only time is sometimes it's it's tough because you have family events. People don't want, you know, when you're an adult, especially when you're a parent, your your life can't shut down at nine o'clock, ten o'clock, and that's a tough time. Then when a, when the buzzer goes off at two twenty, I'm like, oh my goodness.
3: How long is the drive? <laughs> how long is the drive for you that's to get tough. into
2: work? Uh, Forty five minutes, fifty minutes.
3: Oh, okay. I, I, you said two to three hours. I was like, Boo. no. But then I get to work, and I got another two hours. Okay. You okay. know, I actually get in the building that type thing. Well, all right, brother man, get after it. We know you got a busy day. Thank you again for doing this. Right. We'll see you in the morning. All right. God bless you. Graduate Best of family. A better studio than I do.
1: Good job. <laughs> Bye buddy. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. Make sure you've subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and that is how you can make sure to stay up to date. If you haven't already, follow us on social media, teamneverquit.com/slash social. Hey, do us a favor, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. That's how we grow our audience. That's how we grow our numbers. That's how we get more people to understand kind of what we got going on in here and share the power of the never quit mindset. You guys take care and we'll see you next week.